Before we get started, I gotta ask you a question. Have you ever had a work lead or partner with someone who was the worst? Inadequate, lazy, just not fun to work with. Anybody there on like at least having someone like that at one point? The time you kind of drop the come on people, you stink. Like get more done, right? Is kind of how it feels sometimes. I think we've all been there, right? Whether it's with your kids, your spouse, the person uh, you're maybe on the line with, your employees, a partner, a team member. At least I know I've felt that way before. Uh, as a pastor, it's, it's interesting that, that concept that that happens because Jesus actually seemed to have some of the same experience and feelings with his disciples and followers, the ones he actually chose to be with. Throughout the Bible, you can see he says things like this. He says, if we go to this slide, how foolish you are, is what he says to him. You of little faith, get behind me, Satan, is what he even calls them at times. Again, Jesus said these things to his friends, the 12 guys who followed him around. Now, I tell you this, not to give you the blessing to start calling people that. That was definitely not the way they do things. Like, hey, you unfoolish, uh, unfaithful, Satan even. Not to give you the blessing to do that, but to show you Jesus worked with the unqualified, the untrained. Not only that, he actually purposely chose the untrained and unqualified. I mean, the 12 followers, they weren't the most religious folks by nature. Uh, there, were, there was a tax collector. There were multiple fishermen by trade. There was a zealot, which basically means one who was extremely religious, but honestly tends to be more extremely polarized in their viewpoints. And then many other were in the unknown category. We don't know what they did. And for me, when I think about that, I think of the unknown as in, I'm just thinking about my options right now. Or in other words, the unemployed, right? I, I think that's what a lot of the disciples actually were, un probably unemployed. Now hearing this, you have to assume these people that followed Jesus were extremely untrained in what Jesus wanted them to do. Yet, this is who Jesus chose, who he called personally, and requested for them to follow him, expand his ways, and sustain his mission after he would leave. I don't know about you, but I see that as a giant accomplishment, right? I mean, just think, would you be able to leave your organization, your role, your position, to the people you work with who aren't really qualified on paper, and then expect them to be super successful. Whether you're here as a Christian or not, now knowing who Jesus called, you have to see them as extremely successful in what the disciples accomplished, right? It's amazing. They took what one dude taught them and expanded it to millions of Christians today and billions who have lived and passed. These disciples, or the people that followed Jesus, were extremely successful in fulfilling the role. Yet I'll remind you, they were also very untrained. So how did they do it? Or in other words, how did Jesus pull this off with untrained individuals? Part of me wants to kind of like chuckle a little bit and say, I think he just picked fishermen. Uh, he picked fishermen. Like, again, that was the majority of his followers. To be real, though, like, have you been around, like, a real fisherman before? Like, a diehard fisherman? Like, someone that kind of, like, looks like this. They got the jersey. They got the boat, the, the wrap of everything. Like, they're hardcore. Not someone like this. Like, oh, I'm sitting on a boat, you know, and uh, I'm going deep sea fishing, and someone's going to put the line out for me, and then I just got to reel it in when the fish is on. And then you catch stuff like this. You feel like you're a big deal, but you're not. Fishermen were hardcore, right? Fishermen, they're willing to get up at the butt crack of dawn, 
haul their boat and all their things just to get out. Weather doesn't really matter to them, right? They're willing to sit out in the cold, the rain, the sleet, the snow, the waves, the wind, whatever the conditions are. They try, try, try to catch fish, look things up, discuss with others for ideas and try some more. And then in all this, basically, whatever happens, they're happy as a clam because they're just excited to be out there, right? They are so persistent. Real fishermen are maybe not skilled for a particular job, but they are ambitious about their hobby. They are. So part of me wants to say, maybe just pick fishermen for your team. Maybe that's what you need to do is pick fishermen for your organization. Scope out fishermen and pick them because that's what Jesus did. But realistically, I'm joking here, but realistically, if you look through the Bible, there are a few things that fishermen did that we can also see Jesus did in leading the untrained people to achieving what he wanted them to do. The unqualified disciples of Jesus' ministry, they were good fishermen, but they also fit Barb's description of being fat. Faithful, available, and teachable. They fit that description. So today I, I want to show you how Jesus used these three in his, his leadership. But I also want us to start dialing in on practice with these three things, especially after reflecting on Barb's talk. Start thinking, how do I decide to help, hire, lead, and hold on to a faithful, available, and teachable person? What does it look like for you to create an environment for a fat person? This is fun to say on stage. Thanks, Barb. <laughs> How do you move people in your organization to become a fat person or a faithful, available, teachable person? How do you trust your fat people to have the same level of success that the disciples did? I think there's three specific things Jesus did in correlation to Barb's fat acronym that will help us. And the first is this. Communicate the vision and mission to them. Communicate the vision and mission to them. Tell your dream. Tell your organization's dream. Tell them what you want from them. This will give them opportunity to try to be faithful. It gives them the chance to try and be faithful. It gives them a target, a goal, a compass to know how to structure their decisions. If a person can't buy into that vision, into the dream, into the mission, it's probably never going to work out. But if they can get behind and believe in the mission and vision, they will be faithful. They will be faithful. So cast your vision to them and cast it to them so they can connect with it. In the Bible, Jesus, he called his disciples on mission. He, he would say things like, come, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. He says that to a bunch of his disciples, and they chose to follow him. If you've been around the Bible before, you see the statement, and you might be like, come on now, really? Like, some dude walks by and says, come, follow me, and the guys just do it? Like, that's kind of what it looks like in Scripture. I mean, maybe, maybe. But realistically, what I'm assuming, there maybe was at least a little more conversation, right, that happened or some questions asked. It doesn't specifically say that in the Bible, but what it does say is Jesus created a vision for what they will do. Fish for people. Reach people. But what maybe is easily missed in that statement is he used terminology that they were skilled at and passionate about. So they knew exactly what was expected of them. As you think about your team, what is that they are skilled at and passionate about? What's the terminology that they can identify with? What's the angle that gets them excited about the mission? For a person who maybe leads teachers, for maybe that it's them, it's, it's reminding them that 
we're here to care for children and grow children. We are maybe the only people who have eight hours of speaking positive truth into these children's lives. For a spouse, maybe it's reminding them what you really do want out of marriage or life and not just what you want to get by with. Maybe for a business, it's communicating why you exist, what you offer, and why you're worthwhile to invest in. For a volunteer, maybe it's reminding them why they are serving. What's it for you and your organization? To give you an example of my context, like as a pastor, I, I lead about 100 volunteers, and we have a church of about 300-ish people that would say, like, this is their church home. And uh, lots of people that come here are newer to church, or for lack of better words to describe it, are kind of untrained in ministry work. So every Sunday, what I do is I state the mission statement of our church. Every Sunday, if you've ever been here, I say the first thing that I'm up on stage, I say the mission statement, which is to help you take the next step in developing your relationship with God. Will I do this forever? I don't know. I don't know. But for me, it's communicating what the mission is and of why we exist. The reason I need to do this, though, is in the church context, I need the mission statement to help orient our attendees on the right path to why we do certain things and not. As a church, there are a lot of things we could do that fit into that mission statement. There are also a billion other really good things we could do as a nonprofit that many people sometimes think we should do as a church. Let's clean people's houses every day. That's a good thing. Is it our mission? Not really. Let's walk cats for people. Is it a good thing? Yes. Is it our mission? Not really. Let's sew wallets for homeless people. Is it good? Yeah. Is it our mission? Not really, right? I don't know, but these are actually real-like suggestions that we get sometimes as a church. They're all great things, yet not necessarily our mission. Sure, we as a church, we're, we're up for doing some weird things to try and reach people, and maybe it could somehow be tied in there at some point, but you get the point that we can't do every good thing here as a church. So on Sundays, I state our church's mission statement because I want people to know what we're all about, but it also gives the unskilled person a compass on how we approach things as a church. To help you take the next step in your relationship with God, I've given them a compass to know what would be faithful in their future ideas and reason for service. My unskilled attender is now skilled in knowing why I need them and how they can add to this church. They now have a guideline on how to contribute. So for you and your organization, give them a mission or vision and communicate it frequently. Vision drifts if you aren't on it, so remind your team what you're all about. As you think about your team and apply this, think, if I were to ask my team members or someone on my team, what are we doing here anyways? What are we doing here anyways? Their answer should show whether they are aligned in your vision or not. It should make your question whether or not you've even communicated your vision to them. So the first thing that we can see Jesus does for his disciples that we are to do too is communicate the vision and mission to a faithful person. Again, faithful is the first part of fat. Communicate the vision and mission to a faithful person. The second thing we can do is that Jesus does that Barb talks about is if they're available, give them opportunities and responsibility. If they're available, give them opportunities and responsibility. Get them in the game because experience is going to grow them. Jesus sent his disciples out to tell, to teach, to heal, to connect with others. In Matthew 10, 5, it, it kind of says this. It says, these 12, these 12 
the disciples, Jesus sent out with the following instructions. Proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. These were fishermen. They're about to go and do all these things just like after a few months of being with Jesus. Fishermen. Sure, fishermen are persistent, but were they skilled in these areas? Not really. But they had to start somewhere. They had to start somewhere. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a new dad recently, and uh, I remember the first day my daughter was born. You're at the hospital. You're empty-handed. Like, I only have one kid, and so it was like, I, I haven't even had a child. I'm at the hospital, and a day later after you showed up, you leave with a baby. That's scary, right? You leave with a baby, this fragile, tiny human. Well, my wife, she's amazing, but I was definitely not skilled as a new parent. How do you change a diaper? Well, you learn real quick when you got a baby. How do you, like, handle blowouts? You learn how to do it and how not to do it real quick. I'm still actually kind of figuring that one out. How do you know if the sickness or skin thing that the baby has is normal? You're forced to learn who's your resource, who you can call. How do you know if that's normal for kids? You learn by being in the action. You learn by doing if your untrained team is available, are you giving responsibility to become skilled? If they're never given an opportunity, you are going to miss out on developing a high-potential person, like Barb or like the disciples. You might be like, well, that sounds like a giant risk. It sounds like a giant risk to do. How do you do that with an untrained person? I can't trust them. In order to risk trusting someone, you have to risk trusting someone right? In order to risk trusting someone, you have to risk trusting someone. Just think, Jesus was trusting people to go out and teach for him after very little conversation, very little training, and without the background education that these disciples had. Sure, again, they were resourceful fishermen, right? Great thing. But they were about to teach about salvation or God's way. And if you're a Christian or you know the Christian perspective, this isn't a light thing. This isn't a light topic or something you just wing. Like, just, just do your best. This is a life or death conversation, eternity-like opportunity that they were having. If they messed up, there was consequences. Yet Jesus gave these unskilled men opportunities and responsibility because he knew he had to. He had to. He had to. For his mission to grow and succeed, for his leadership to continue, he had to trust and give away responsibility. He had to. What does that look like for you to do that in your organization or with your team? Do you need to give that person an opportunity to add input? Do you need to give that maybe that person th the ability to be in the decision-making room? Do you need to give that person some responsibility for them to learn from? That is how an unskilled person is going to learn. And who knows? Maybe they even do it better than you which could be a giant headache relief, right? But give them that responsibility. If they're available, give them the responsibility and opportunity. The last thing that in leading in an unqualified person or untrained person is you've got to be in relationship with them. You've got to be in relationship with them. If they are teachable or want th if you want them to be more teachable, you've got to be in relationship with them. You've got to be. Again, Jesus called the disciples, you fool, you faithless, you evil Satan-like thing. That's what he called the people he was close to. Just a man sharing his opinion on stage right now? That seems a bit harsh, right? Kind of harsh. But what it shows is in order for Jesus to be real and raw with his disciples like this, 
He had to have a good relationship with them. He had to, right? Otherwise, they could have just bailed. No one was forcing them to stay with him. They could have just walked away. Jesus developed a relationship with them by dining with them, by knowing them, by traveling with them. He had them around often. He showed them that he loved them. He built a relationship with them. And don't miss this, but because of his relationship with them, he was able to be real and raw with them. How the disciples responded to Jesus allowed him to find out real quick whether or not they're teachable or not, right? Which they were, and it guided them to being successful disciples and lifelong learners of Jesus' ways. Now again, I don't think it's wise for, for you to start dropping the harshness that Jesus did, but you do need to be in a relationship with the people in your organization. You do need to be in a relationship with an unqualified, untrained person because you're going to be doing the training. You're going to be guiding them in the process. You're going to have hard conversations. And the conversation is going to consistently happen with an untrained person, right? Yet if you have the right perspective about it, imagine the opportunity of that, of working with an untrained individual that you have a relationship with that's teachable. You get to develop that person into being exactly who you need them to be. Sure, they're going to be their own person and are going to be someone who brings something maybe different to the table than you, but you get to start fresh with them. You do. You get to start fresh with them. I'm going to be a, a little real and raw and honest here for a second, but I honestly, I prefer this. I prefer this as, as someone that I would work with or have on a team because as a leader, I want to start fresh. I want to start fresh with my team. I don't want to have to erase poor performance. I don't want to have to erase wrong methods of approaching things. In my context as a pastor here at Centerpoint Church, there are churches everywhere in the U.S., right? Gazillion churches in the U.S. Most Wisconsin people have, are hard workers, but most Wisconsin people have been to a church before. Most have, and have a general idea in their head what a church should look like and how it should function. Without sounding harsh, at Centerpoint Church, I don't want to be like every other church. Most churches, if you look at the statistics, are declining. Most are full of older people. Most do not reach people who are not into church. Most are not fat. Actually, I don't know about that last one, but I just wanted to say fat again. So, <laughs> But most churches aren't growing these days. It's a true fact. You can look it up anywhere. I don't think they're ill-intentioned. I just don't want to be a declining older church. I want to pause for a second, and I want to point out, though, I do absolutely want to stand behind biblical beliefs and values of what a Christian church should do. But what I don't want to do is function like every other church, which is why I love working with people and developing relationships with people who are new to church. They have new perspectives, new ideas, new ways of doing things. They are easier to train. But for me, it's more work. It definitely is more work working with that person. I have to work closely with them. I have to train them the necessary skills and coach them. And sometimes talking through the basic things that I expect most people to know. And in that process, I've learned, though, I have to develop a relationship with them. I need a relationship with them. And if I'm going to do any correction or redirection, I have to have a relationship with them. I have to know them personally. Otherwise, I'm just a crabby, opinionated pastor spouting my, my views to them relationship is key. They then know my heart and I know theirs. What does that look like for you in your relationships with your team members? Is it 
to have a relationship with them, does that mean getting a coffee or drink with them once in a while or buying them a coffee or drink? Is it sending a text or some sort of appreciation email? Is it a small gift? Is it actually finding a common interest that you can talk about? These things aren't hard. But by me doing this or us doing this, we're given the ability to coach, correct, and teach. Not to point out how Jesus did by calling out someone a fool, but relationship is something I see Jesus prioritize, so it's something we need to prioritize too. How about you? Are you prioritizing that? What would it look like for you to do that? How have you built relationships with your team? Is there enough relationship before you do teaching and correction with your team? When was the last time you, you maybe bought someone coffee on your team? If it was over two months, that's probably too long. When was the last time you texted or emailed someone on your team saying they did awesome for going above and beyond? If it was more than three weeks ago, it's probably too long. What's it for you? Be in a relationship with your team to help them become a teachable person. So to summarize, when you do these three things, communicate the vision and mission to a faithful person. Give opportunities to an available person. Be in relationship with a teachable person. The fat people. When you see someone who fits these, you then know you have a high potential person on your team. A high potential person was Jesus' disciples. It's Barb. It's me. Like my background, I knew nothing. I was a teacher before I was a pastor. I'm no expert now. I know some things. But I had someone that communicated vision to me. I had someone that gave me opportunities and was in a relationship with me that brought me to where I'm at today. Who do you need to do that for? Who do you need to do that for? Who is on your team that you need to invest in in one of these particular areas? Who do you need to continue to do these things for because they are a high potential person and maybe getting bored if you don't give them the attention they need? Jesus was one person invested in untrained nobodies and look at the outcome of that. It's amazing. Who do you need to do that for today? I want to leave you with four questions to think about. Uh, the first is this. How do you communicate the vision and mission repeatedly? How are you giving opportunities for people to grow? How are you in a relationship with your team members? What do you need to do starting tomorrow to lead your untrained, untrained team members better?